The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to a new edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. We just concluded another exciting weekend of NFL football. And the old rivals, 80 years of games between Eagles and Giants has concluded with a thorough demolition. The Giants, with five field goals, essentially shut out the Eagles, but there is a really rather meaningless seven-point botch of a snap punt that uh, that put some points on the board. We at Bruce, the sports talk, were in attendance for the game. And I'm here with my co-host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger. Spence, let's break down Eagles-Giants. Well, I, I thought today that the, um, that the Philadelphia Eagles didn't have any pop on offense. I thought the play calling was very vanilla and predictable. Essentially, all Chip Kelly's offense is, is shotgun draws. It's pretty much the quarterback lining up in the shotgun and handing the ball off to LaShawn McCoy. And then saying, here LaShawn, go make a play. Go hit a home run. And this offense is lacking the ability to create matchups. And it's lacking the creativity to put its players in positions to make plays. Um, the best two drives of the game were where Matt Barkley was hitting on short passes, on screen passes to Deshaun. That quickly got shut down. But um, I look at Matt Barkley as a quarterback, and he doesn't have the, the threat to run. He also doesn't have any reliable receivers out there. The the talent on this roster is pretty thin at wide receiver after Deshaun Jackson. And Jackson isn't a reliable possession wide receiver either. The, the Eagles are really lacking a guy like Hakeem Nix, a big physical wide receiver that can get open and that is a possession guy that can get seven or eight catches a game. All they have is Deshaun that can either catch a screen and get five yards or or very rarely can hit on an 80-yard touchdown, which defenses are now spying on. So I see the Eagles as having a lack of offensive playmakers, which is causing them a lot of trouble. But I also look at the Giants. They did a very nice job today stopping the run. The interior defensive line of the Giants came to play as they shut down LaShawn McCoy for the bulk of the game today. And they did a really nice job on third down of getting some pressure on Vic and Barkley with their front four, something they haven't done well all season. And with that pressure, they were able to cover the receivers adequately enough to get off the field on fourth down. So the Giants 
Detroit's defense in the first half was fantastic, other than that last drive before the half when Matt Barkley came in and threw some new ripples at them. But the Giants' ability to get off on the field on third down was key. And even though the Giants didn't have any big plays in the passing game, big touchdowns or big runs, home run plays you could say, the Giants still controlled the clock. And and it was just interesting to see them um, continue to move the chains. And the time of possession in the first half was severely um, advantage for the Giants. And when you have time of possession like that and your defense is able to get the the opposing team off the field in three and out situations, you're going to have success. So the Giants won on the line of scrimmage on both sides. And Peyton Hillis really adds an element to this offense that has not been there. With David Wilson, he's trying to, um, he's not really a, a, a great north and south runner. He's a guy that is always looking to make big plays, um, is always pressing. And Hillis was just the opposite. Hillis knows his role, he knows his identity, and his identity is ground and pound football. And they fed Hillis the rock, and he got five to seven yards of carry. And that's how you win football games. You don't make negative plays on first down. And with Hillis keeping the Giants on schedule, that resulted in short third down um, conversions that the Giants completed. So a very good effort by the Giants. I'm really impressed how they bounced back. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the lack of playmakers is really catching up with this team. This is the first time in a long time where the Eagles essentially got shut out two straight weeks. They only gave up three points last week against the Cowboys. The offense was shut out again this week. And as we we tend to flip back and forth from sports medicine. We're going to give the audience an update on Michael Vick. He injured his right hamstring again in the second series of downs today. Tried to gut it out for a third series and was taken out. So right now, the first two starting quarterbacks for the Eagles are out. Nick Foles is progressing through the concussion protocol, which means he still hasn't been cleared by the team physicians and he still hasn't gone to see an independent neurologist. So it's unclear whether Nick is going to continue to remain unable to practice. And if the top two quarterbacks are out, who, you know, whether the Eagles would consider bringing somebody in from outside of the organization to back up Matt Barkley. So the, the uh, even Chip Kelly at his post-game press conference admitted that the team is a disarray with respect to the quarterback and the quarterback position the variability in the injuries cost them the last two games flipping through the NFC East saw what we thought would be an intriguing game between the Redskins and Broncos in the sense that the Redskins had a 21-7 lead but then the Denver defense really stepped on the gas pedal and really RJ3 was battered. He reminded me a little bit of Michael Vick last year in the sense he was knocked down so many times. He would, Essentially, you know, Denver, Denver scored uh, 28 straight points, and at the end it was like mercy killing. They brought Kurt Cousins in to mop up for the Redskins, but again, Denver looked unbeatable. They Their defense really stepped it up, and, uh, and Peyton Manning was his usual workman life's 
like self. Yeah, you know, the Redskins were up 21-7 to on Denver and created some big turnovers on defense, but Peyton Manning made some really nice adjustments. Um, he d- he didn't press as much, and he really got Sean Moreno involved. And the Redskins and Jim Hazlitt really came out with an aggressive game plan, and it worked for the first three quarters of the game of calling blitzes, sending linebackers off the edge. But in the end, it hurt them because Peyton Manning realized this, the offensive coordinator and Manning um, coincided to call more screen plays, more draws, and they got the running backs involved. You know, Moreno had some plays, um, Monte Ball. So Denver made some really nice adjustments on offense and, and really converted. And then for Washington, I saw Robert Griffin kind of pressing, and he always gets compared to Andrew Luck because he was drafted in the same class, and, and same with Russell Wilson. And I looked at Robert Griffin third, and he was holding on to the ball long I know the protection wasn't great but and Denver's D was playing with a lot of urgency and playing very uh, sound football but Robert Griffin was always looking for plays 20 to 15 yards he was looking for the intermediate throws when he was not just throwing it to the check down and last year I think as a rookie he had less expectation placed on him and he was pretty much just going out there and playing football into the and this year with the with the start with the roller coaster start that Washington has had had to endure he just looks like a quarterback that is unsettled a little bit uh, his confidence has been shot but he's just trying to do too much out there instead of manage the game make the right fundamental reads he's a guy that's pressing down the field and overextending plays and getting himself into trouble instead of really going through his his reads he's locking on to receivers down the field and just trying to make something out of nothing um, you also look at how this Washington team is constructed I I mean, other than Pierre Garçon, who is, I'd say, like a B, a solid B receiver, he, he's a second-best wide receiver on a good team. This team has no wide receivers. It's probably the worst depth in the league at wide receiver. Santana Moss is just an aging player whose best years are behind him. You have Leonard Hankinson who would really come off the bench on most teams, and same with Joshua Morgan. These guys are getting no separation. And for Robert Griffin, um, I mean... It's just it's just a very poor cast of receivers to work with, and they really need Alfred Morris to go wild. And the reason that they were successful last year was because Robert Griffin could do it with his legs, and teams would try to cover Griffin's feet rather than cover receivers. But put it this way, if Robert Griffin the third. Um, is a little banged up, has some knee problems. This team's going to have a lot of trouble in Washington. Their future doesn't look bright because they just have so many problems and they have no playmakers on the outside of the field. And don't you, Do you agree with that sentiment that Robert Griffin the first year was so fresh and his legs were such a weapon that they were taking guys in coverage and moving them into the box so that the Redskins receivers did not have to beat regular standard coverage? I agree with that, and there's one other to amplify on your point. The offensive line was not protecting RG3. There was, he had no time to pass. It was a jailbreak. The whole second half, he was running for his life. Von Miller was blitzing. He b- banged it right out you know, fr- from the blind side, caused a fumble. Garcon fell down on one play. He was open on, on the button hook kind of a, a route. 
he fell down and, the, and it was an interception. You look at RG3 and you say, how can I do this? My best wide receiver is falling down. I'm getting an interception. No, no blocking at all. It all starts up front. So it looks like we've come to the end of this initial segment. Next segment, we're going to talk a lot about America's team. And they went to Motortown. We'll be back in three minutes. Stay tuned in. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. 
We're here at voiceamerica.com. We want to thank Ray Ellis, our sports director, and we want to thank Jeff Spinard, president of the network. It's great to be back covering the sports that interest you most, and this is certainly the time for NFL. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions. Heroic comeback today, edging out the Dallas Cowboys at home by one point. The real interesting part of this game is that Stafford had to rise above mistakes. Three interceptions, four turnovers by the Lions, and he was able to engineer a game-winning drive just as the clock was winding down. Over 330 yards in the air. Stafford, quietly in Detroit, is having an excellent season and is really... He, I, w- I would equate him to Philip Rivers, and both of them put up great stats. Because their teams haven't gone far in the playoffs, you tend to overlook those type of players. The interesting thing is with the loss, Cowboys, Eagles, and Redskins all lost. The previously 0-6 Giants climb within two games of first place in the NFC East. This was a game for Dallas because they play Minnesota at home next week, which is definitely a sure win. The worst team in the NFL or second worst team they play in Arlington next week. So if they would have won this game to get to five victories, they would have been two games up on the Eagles that are reeling. And also they they own the tiebreak versus the Eagles. So they would have put a stamp on this division because I believe the Eagles are going to lose to Oakland next week because that's a very tough place to play out there um so i look at dallas and again they lose a close ball game and tony romo and this dallas group has to put the game away in the final moments they have to stretch the game to a two-score game you can't give teams an opportunity to drive down in final minutes of ball games in the nfl now nowadays with this passing offense teams could score faster than ever no huddle offenses are now a norm for these teams in fact in college football most teams are running two minute drill style offenses in regular situations not not really putting yourself in a situation not a necessary two-minute drill they're running no huddle offenses so Dallas just does a poor job of closing out games and closing out games meaning making touchdowns executing in the red zone and making it not a dramatic finish at the end of a game and whenever it's dramatic Dallas always seems to lose and come on the losing end of it today was the defense they allowed 330 yards to a wide receiver and that wide receiver was on my fantasy team last week. This was not the right week to trade Calvin Johnson because he went ham on this Dallas Cowboys defense, and he is a grown man wide receiver. He's one of the most talented wide receivers we've ever seen. He's one of the best athletes playing in sports, period. He was getting triple covered, and Matt Stafford and his strong arm just threw it in the vicinity of Calvin Johnson, and Calvin Johnson is just fearless out there. He has two of the biggest mitts in the game. 
And he dominated Dallas today. So they've always had Calvin and Matthew Stafford. The question with this Detroit team is can they defend? And unfortunately, their front four is okay. I think it's definitely an overrated aspect of this team. But their defense is still getting scorched. And I don't think they have a stable enough running game to be able to make it deep into into the playoffs. I don't think Reggie Bush as a runner is necessarily that hard-nosed running back that they need but right now they're looking they're looking definitely better it's an auspicious start for Detroit in terms of Matt Stafford it's a great story because he came from Dallas so to beat Dallas two consecutive times in the times that he's played his team that he's grown up rooting for it's a great story for him and you equate Matt Stafford to Philip Rivers in the in the sense that he put up a lot of big stats he just hasn't been on the national stage enough to really develop that clutch gene or that big game type of feel because the lines are rarely on prime time other than Thanksgiving Day Matt Stafford has all the intangible He's a moose at quarterback. He's huge in every aspect. He's six foot five. He weighs a ton for a quarterback. And he and the the ball in his hands looked like a toothpick. The guy can sling it around. He can make sidearm throws. I mean, Matt Stafford is just a dream at quarterback in terms of a thrower of the football. You can't get any more talented than Stafford. Well, there's another game in London that just went down. San Francisco beat Jacksonville. Oh, can't miss TV. Right and there. the interesting thing is, I look upon the NFL's be greedy. They they're trying to lay the foundation to actually have an NFL team in London. I couldn't think of a worse disaster. Number one, there is um, a, a big time zone difference. It's a five-hour flight from the East Coast. It's hard enough for players to fly back and forth from the east and west coast with uh, three time zone difference. And the idea that London is really going to take to NFL football and the players are going to want, you know, players, families, and fans are going to uh, embrace London as as another city. I think um, it, it just shows how it's all driven by money. I think there are plenty of teams... And to expand across the continent is really unrealistic. And it, I'm kind of glad that it was such a yawner of a game that probably nobody watched because San Francisco just uh, destroyed him out in old London town. Same from Minnesota, Pittsburgh. That was another yawner. And I completely agree with you. I mean, do you really think there are passionate fans in, in England that care about American football? I mean, this game was created in America. And I know that there's probably guys in London listening right now that admit that they love football. But think about it. I mean, think about a rivalry. Think about a rivalry between the San Francisco 49ers and the London Pioneers, let's just call them. Could you really imagine a rivalry between two fan bases? Can you imagine a London team going on the road to go up to Green Bay? Do you think that London fans are going to travel for that game? That just doesn't make sense. And and for teams to travel, exactly, you hit exactly the nail on the head. For teams to travel to London, London is a, is a um, England is a continent that enjoys that enjoys soccer and basketball, and its its focus is not on football. It's like the complete opposite of Green Bay, Wisconsin. They have so many things going on that their passion for football 
that they have fans that probably don't even know what a, a first down is that are going to these games. And it is all driven by money. And you got to just keep it in America. Football is so great right now. And it would just, it, it would it would be a disaster for the NFL to do this. I wouldn't pay the same interest. If the New York Giants are going to London to play a team in London, that would just, that seems like a preseason football game. It seems like the NBA team, it seems like the Dallas Mavericks playing China in a preseason game. I, I can't believe that the NFL is going to infest, is, is that London is going to infest the NFL. And, 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 and have a team on standings. I just I just don't get it and it would just be a disastrous move to see a team from England actually competing for Super Bowl and actually having a fan base and having to see teams travel to England. There's just no rivalries that could be connected there and having a game or two in London, I could see that, but actually awarding them a team, then you're going to get into other countries wanting to have football teams, and it just is going to be a snowball effect that takes away from American football, and this is kind of our special gem. The world has soccer. The world has so many other great sports in the Olympics. This is kind of a special gem that America has right now, and it shouldn't really be shared, and it shouldn't really be adapted or changed because it's so perfect the way it is now. Well, we're coming to the end of the second segment. You guys enjoy getting your snack. We're going to be talking about a little baseball versus football, an old, an old argument, which really is America's sport. Much more. We'll be back in three minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm here with my co-host, Spencer the Wizard. And I wanted to touch upon the contrast between Major League Baseball here in the World Series and the interest across the country on NFL football. So this is a compared contrast. Spence, what's your view on this topic? Well, it's a pretty deep question. It's it's not it's going to be hard to fit into a minute, but basically, I think that the technology advancement has really hurt the sport of baseball because fantasy football is such a value. I mean, I'll watch a game between the St. Louis Rams and the and let's just say the Cleveland Browns just because I have Josh Gordon on my team and just because I put up $200 for my Champions League in fantasy football. I mean, it's very interesting to feel like you own a team. So in terms of comparing football to baseball, I think that football is a lot more interesting because you have a lot more storylines. You know all the players in football. It's easy to know each quarterback in the NFL, but it's not easy to know the top three starting pitchers in rotations. For baseball as well, it used to be most popular in the 1970s and 1980s because you didn't have Twitter. You didn't have as many technological distractions. You didn't have video games. I mean, at night, once it got dark outside, you didn't have computers and you had radio and you had had minimal television. So you know what? You were watching baseball and you were patient enough to watch baseball because you weren't texting your friends you weren't on facebook technology didn't distract you from watching and even now with sports even with baseball even with football basketball i'm always on my phone i'm always reading the timelines i'm always restless there's netflix fios there's so many more things to do on a weeknight and 
they're just superseding the sport of baseball. It's a very old-timers game. There's a lot of dead air. You have to be patient to really enjoy it. You have to enjoy the chess matches of right-handers versus left-handed batters. It really is a game that takes a lot of patience. And the kids nowadays, they don't have a lot of patience because they're being absorbed with this fast technological world. And and they're going outside and they're doing. There's a lot more options on ways to spend your night with the way that technology travels and the way you are constantly socializing. And that, I believe, is really hurting this patient old man sport of baseball. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I love baseball, and I think it's a provincial game in the sense that the if you look at the density of of viewers. Certainly the Red Sox are a national team, and I think they have interest across the country. Uh, I just don't see there's a great storyline here. St. Louis has won a lot. It's a a very small market. And uh, I'm just not not getting the sizzle from the World Series. I know right now as we speak, the the series is is 2-2. And uh, I, I think you're right. I think that the NFL is the ultimate television sport. Hockey, for instance, is a great sport to go to in person, but a very bad television sport. And I think the NBA has a lot of sizzle with the athleticism, dunking, and the, and the speed. So it seems to me that baseball continues to slide. It, it continues to uh, wane with respect to the interest of the young fans who are really the future of, um, of sports. When you look at the NBA draft and the NFL draft, you see two parallels. One, you care more about the draft because the players are from America and you've watched them play college basketball and college football. And college basketball and college football are so popular. Whereas college baseball, nobody can... I don't think I can name five college baseball players out there. Heck, I can't even name two college baseball players. So my question to you, Bruce, is do you think that the, the college sports, the American aspect of college football and basketball as opposed to the internationally based um, ba- baseball and hockey, do you think that that plays into the ratings that you could really follow these athletes from high school on in football and basketball? You really can't. And again, that's a uh, limitation of hockey as well. Who, who follows the, uh, the drafted baseball? The answer is nobody. Maybe even the parents of the draftees don't even follow it. So, you know, you've got a, you've got so many layers of minor leagues, and um, you know, I, I just you know, I, I personally love baseball. It's not like we have, um, it's not like we have a bias against baseball. It doesn't make for the most interesting conversation. We we're much more of a football show, but you know, you could watch it, and uh, particularly, you know. I have to, just to, in full disclosure, the Phillies really have had two very down years. So what used to be really exciting, we had a great run uh, culminating in a World Series. This area has been completely dead with respect to baseball because our team really won in the tank. 
Well, I look at baseball, and you look, there's no Johnny football players ever in hockey, or or, or maybe in hockey with Sidney Crosby. Um, but a lot, he wasn't really on America's radar because I think he's a, he's a Canadian hockey player, so he wasn't on the radar as much as a high school hockey player um, in America. Well, maybe because he's so special. But my point is, with Johnny football, with Jameis Winston, these quarterbacks in college football, you could see them progress to the next level immediately. And with baseball, 162 games is always been my Achilles heel with it and with attains to w- watching the sport of baseball is that the regular season does not matter and if I'm ever going to go to a baseball game it's because it's such a beautiful day out and because I de- I want to eat some cheesesteaks if I'm going to, to the Phillies game and because I'm going with my friends so I could socialize with them when I'm going to an Eagles game or a football game I'm always in game mode I'm looking at how important this game is it's usually crucial because there's only 16 games in the NFL and that's why you see more hardcore football fans is because each game matters and for the week long you have bragging rights and for baseball um, even if the Phillies or or a team a local team swept a rival um, you'd have bragging rights for a little bit but there's always more games to follow and it's very hard to um, really emphasize regular season matchups and the regular season in hockey and, and baseball since you have more games, it's just not going to be entertaining. Even basketball regular season, there's a ton of markets that, that nobody is interested in. And with basketball, we only focus really on the eight markets. There, there is there is actually baseball stories that would make for more interesting baseball stories. Like I would love to see the Cubs in a World Series because there's so many, uh, you know, hardcore Cubs fans that have been really suffering for years and to see them break to see them break that huge um, span of, of years that they haven't won a World Series would be so exciting and that city would just go crazy. Chicago would go absolutely ballistic if the Cubs ever were going deep into the playoffs and we have Moises Alou and the foul ball drama. So the Cubs are a team filled with lots of drama and then you have Billy Bean and the Oakland Athletics. A great motion picture where the movie really sparked interest in baseball and I know I was interested in Oakland because they're they are really creating a new standard with how to manage a baseball team and they're going further than just the white lines of the baseball diamond so small market underdog teams like Oakland like a Billy Bean type movie star character intrigues me and also teams that haven't won ever like that haven't won in a very long time like the Chicago Cubs of baseball Well, it's that time again. We have Midnight Madness, the kickoff of the college basketball season. Couldn't come too soon as far as we're concerned. And we're certainly excited about the new Big East with Creighton Blue Jays, Xavier Marquette, as well as the regular fellas in the Big East. Really, uh, we, we watch a lot of the, the previews here locally in Philadelphia, Jay Wright is talking about the uh, the development of his team, new recruits, and w- as knowing that we're huge Creighton Blue Jays fans, really excited that there's a sixth year for Grant Gibbs, and watched a great interview with uh, with Greg and Doug McDermott, and Doug McDermott has forty nine percent of the um, the polled individuals across the United States believes that he will be the Big East Player of the Year. 
So he's embarking on his senior year, and they asked him why why did he want to do his senior year, and he just talked about the fans and the opportunity and the great experience of being in college, and uh, that's the way it ought to be. So we're certainly excited about Creighton coming here to the East, coming to Madison Square Garden, coming to play St. Joe's and Villanova, and really going to be covering the Big East as well as the other conferences. Yeah, the midnight madness, it just just really gets your blood boiling for college basketball. The scrimmage, the dunk contest, the player announcement, the dancing and the music is just absolutely fantastic. It gets the student body pumped up. I can't wait to see my man Dickie Vitale, um, you know, and and Gus Johnson and Bill Raftery out there just doing their thing. And and the announcers and their sayings just really are just make for fantastic television. And when the weather gets cold you know you you know you're inside watching basketball but with the Creighton Blue Jays real fast I wanted to mention that with the Big East now that they're playing top level competition in the Big East and and teams that will get multiple more than two teams into the NCAA tournament like last year in the Valley the the Creighton Blue Jays Wichita State was the only team in the Valley that was really competing to play on that national stage in the NCAA tournament and the other 10 teams that they played 20 times collectively were not even close to getting into the NCAA tournament so here in the Big East you will see about 8 out of the 12 teams have a shot at competing for that automatic bid for the NCAA tournament that equates in 16 games out of Creighton's conference schedule that they will be playing against teams that they could face off in an NCAA tournament game and the last two years Creighton has lost to ACC powerhouses North Carolina and Duke and they really got they, they, they really had trouble matching up physically with the athletes from those North Carolina schools and now with Creighton going to the Big East they will learn to play a more physical brand of basketball a more up-tempo game of hoops and they they will also learn, I believe, to score well against teams that that play top notch defense and that just have superior athletes, and they'll work they'll recruit differently. So the exposure of the eighteen thousand that file into the Century Link Arena in Omaha, Nebraska, it is just so great for the East Coast to see what kind of passion and blood is really out there in the Midwest. And I cannot wait for the Creighton Blue Jays to. To get their chance and boy what a great group of players they have to ingratiate themselves in the Big East Basketball Conference you couldn't slate a better Creighton team this might be the most talented Creighton team ever assembled to take on the, the monster the gauntlet that is this Big East Basketball Conference well on that note that segment sure flew by we're at the end of this particular segment of Bruce the Sports Talk. We hope you're enjoying our show. We've got our last segment, which as tradition holds, will be totally focused on sports medicine, diagnosis, and treatment. We'll be back in three, and let's keep on moving. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. 
Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. This segment will deal with returning to the classroom, returning to the field of play. And we're going to reference the lead neuropsychologist, Julie O'Reilly. Much of this discussion was excerpted from her excellent talk at the Sinai Hospital in Baltimore, the one-day symposium on January 28th of 2012. And this was organized by Kevin Crutchfield, who is the team doctor for the Baltimore Orioles and the Baltimore Ravens. And again, kudos to Kevin Crutchfield, great guy, and one of our chief collaborators here at Bruce, the sports doc. He organized a great one-day symposium, and we thank Julie O'Reilly. So, what is the role of the neuropsychologist? Identifying the various aspects of injury. We talked about the cognitive, which is the, the brain, the thinking. The emotional, very important. With sadness, irritability, and also instability. Whether it be anxiety and depression. It's the job of the neuropsychologist to put their finger on the problem and to help out with respect to improving the problem. With respect to head injuries, there's a difficulty with processing speed. And this is critical for schoolwork. So we have reduced speed of concentration. We also have trouble with executive function, which is planning. So what's one of the hardest thing things that a high school student has, and that is 
planning their time, juggling their extracurricular activities, studying for SATs or ACTs, devoting time to family, and also cultivating and nurturing friendships at high school. So if somebody has a head injury, they're going to have impairment of all these planning and executive functions. That's something that could be diagnosed by the neuropsychologist through testing and through interviews. Also, short-term memory. So this is encoding information and also retrieving information, memory. This is stored in the temporal lobes. And another thing is reaction time, particularly on the field of play. So having a slow motor response, slowed reaction time, number one, greatly impairs performance. And number two, could also allow for injury. If you can't react, if you're playing football and you just can't react to the speed of the game, very very easy to get injuries. Not only head injuries, follow-up head injuries, but also orthopedic injuries from just being in the wrong place and having your arms and legs in the wrong spot, not being able to protect yourself. So there's a lot of overlapping problems. Again, feeling slow, feeling foggy, forgetting information, slowness overall. And there's also an important role for returning to the classroom, essentially, to monitor the progress and also to have the connection to the student-athlete, ensuring rest, also monitoring the patient for two to three months. And during the time of the acute injury, reducing the amount of tests per day, reducing the amount of homework, and frankly, reducing the hours in school. So in the beginning, the athlete might return to half-day schooling. In the beginning, they might have some homebound instruction. And there has to be an understanding and allowance between the school and the school district and the teachers. And the teacher's role is very instrumental. Some of these patients, and they are student athletes, require what they call an IEP. And that's an individualized educational program. And this involves communicating with the parents, offering support and encouragement, oftentimes special instruction reinforcement of the principles and allowing for learning to occur. Also, depression and anxiety has to be monitored and managed by the neuropsychologist, the neurologist, and has to, and there has to be an interaction between the parents and the student-athlete. One of the biggest problems we see particularly in hockey and football, is that there is a sense of denial on the part of the parents. Usually, I have to say, the father is usually the worst. There's a feeling like, you know, when I did it, you know, I took a lot of hits when I was young. How come you can't handle it? You got to be tough. You got to get back. And that there's definitely a role of the neuropsychologist to be able to show standardized tests and to be able to explaining to the parents there is a problem and it will likely get better, but we have to manage it. And it's easy to be in denial. And that's the old school way of thinking. But as we say, certainly uh, Keith Primo, uh, former captain of the Flyers, said it. 
it's uh, it's it takes a, a, a courageous man to uh, to know that you're taking time off to get better, because if you just return too early to the field of play, whether it be ice hockey, boxing, you name it, soccer, you're really hurting the team, okay? Because you're hindering your recovery. Perfect example is Tiger Woods. We're not talking about a brain injury here. He felt a pain. He had recurrent tendonitis in his left ankle. He had trouble walking. And a year ago, he might have toughed it out, pushed through, finished the tournament. He might, he might have missed a month, four to six weeks. But you know what? He said, listen, I recognize it's, it's an injury. I've got to manage it. I've got to get better. And sure enough, he returned to play for a two-day invitational tournament. But yet, he's on track to play in the Masters. So Tiger, rather than being macho and saying, hey, I'm going to tough it out, he knew he had to take time off. So the same analogy is true for head injuries. And there are educational challenges. As the athlete goes on ahead, middle school, high school, typically they become more independent. So what happens? The expectations increase and the support diminishes. There's an expectation that the student has to be more independent. And that's great. But when you have a head injury situation, it could put the student in a precarious position. And particularly if there's no accommodations, what happens? They start failing in school. They're already anxious and depressed. They have headaches, feeling of helplessness, estrangement, downward spiral. So that's why it's so important for there to be a multidisciplinary approach between the neuropsychologist the occupational therapist, the, the neurologist, and the team physicians and trainers, as well as the, uh, the school districts and the teachers themselves. And the good news is, with proper management, these people usually get better. But there are exceptions. There are, there are some of these long-term cases that uh, the brain injuries uh, plateau at a certain point, and uh, they need to be managed. Medications need to be utilized, such as sedative hypnotic agents to help people sleep and restore sleep cycles, antidepressants, talk about headaches and analgesics. Earlier in the show, we talked about the neurochemistry of headache and how there's parallels between migraine headaches and post-concussion headaches. are very similar. And as neurologists, we deal with them using our knowledge of neurochemistry and pharmacology to try to help people out. And the goal is not to keep them on drugs long-term, but short-term, allow them to get better, allow them to get into a normal routine. Let's dig closer into the, uh, the role of the teacher in the school. The length of assignment should be modified. The teacher should help break down the steps in problem-solving. And the students should be given extended time to, um, you know, to get their work done in school, to complete assignments, and also with test-taking. Extended time is, is certainly something that is offered to certain students with different learning challenges. And there's no reason that the head-injured athlete shouldn't be afforded the same latitude. Also, the amount of time 
under bright fluorescent lights should be limited. A lot of times we instruct the, the families to have old-fashioned incandescent lights, which are much softer and easier on the eyes, especially with those who are light-sensitive with headaches and dizziness, and also to modify the volume of sound and the pace of delivery. We also have to have an allowance for diminished attention time and also memory problems, allowing more time to study the test material. Provide not only verbal commands, but also written commands. Many patients with head injuries develop trouble, you know, with one or the other, verbal or written processing, and some both. So to use both the visual system, which is written, and the verbal system, which is an auditory system, to use them both helps to reinforce the learning and also, you know, allowing for deadlines and to be very clear about what's expected. Also with the executive function, to have a designated staff member to communicate with the teachers, to help the students to organize tasks and deadlines, also to use a calendar, and also providing the master notes that the teachers can, they have a master a set of master notes that they teach from, for them to actually provide the written master notes so the patients could have them in advance. When they're in class, they could listen to it, they could look at it in a written way, and also hear it and process it visually and verbally. So all these are very, very important tools. And, you know, students, the, the, the sports are great, but uh, most of these kids are, are not going to be professional athletes. So the key thing is to, is to keep them moving along in school, passing their grades, not losing out, not going into a downward spiral. spiral excuse me. So key elements, communication, monitoring, parents, staff, flexibility, and also having the doctor playing an active role, dealing with the various symptoms of concussion and head injury, and eventually giving, when appropriate, the reassurance that the athlete can begin training, can, can begin cardio, you know, weightlifting, eventually patterning of the sport, and ultimately a return to practice, and finally a return back to playing in competition. Well, the time is sure going by quickly today. I want to thank Ray Ellis. I want to thank Jeff Spinard, the president of Voice America, for continuing to give us this opportunity to provide information, promote awareness of concussions, and also to be able to break down the game with my co-host, Spetch of the Wizard. Tune in next week for the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.